bet you this camera was built before you were born. No. <laughs> yes. Take a picture of me with that camera. You want me to take a picture of you? Hold on. Stand right there, just like that. Perfect, hold it. Bingo. Now you gotta count to 25. Can you count to 25? No. You're listening to Shake It, a modern Polaroid love story by Megan Jones and Vanessa Lowe. I'm Megan Jones. 22, 23, 24, 25. Here we go. a Polaroid picture is a totally sensory experience. The click of the shutter, the whir as the photo comes out, and then there's the shake, right? Emotion so strongly associated with Polaroid that Outcast commanded us to shake it like a Polaroid picture in their monster hit, Hey Ya. That song came out in 2003, two years after Polaroid declared bankruptcy. We were already putting Polaroids away by then, replacing them with digital cameras and smartphones. But our collective fond memories and attachment to Polaroid, this is apparently something we cannot shake. Everyone has a Polaroid story. Your life is littered with those little white frames. It sort of actually goes back to my childhood because this used to be my grandmother's camera. And she always had a Polaroid with her anywhere we went. And I hate it when she took pictures of me and my brother because we always had to stand there and look like we liked each other. <laughs> and in reality, it was nothing like that. Yeah, there's a certain amount of nostalgia there. You know, I didn't like it at the time, but if I think about it now, yeah, it's something, it's curious. I just have childhood memories of taking Polaroid pictures as a kid and watching the picture develop and just going, wow. <laughs> You always got the feeling that with the Polaroid, that you were playing with it. And then that would be it, the playfulness. It's just instant happiness. <laughs> the perfect Polaroid, that's priceless. That's rewarding. That's... Yeah, put that in a commercial Amex. Yeah. <laughs> Edwin Land, the inventor of Polaroid, pioneered something we all now take for granted, instant photography, capturing a moment in the moment. When the first Polaroid land cameras came out in 1948, getting a picture in your hand in one mere minute was nothing short of amazing. These cameras were the product of art, engineering, chemistry, and imagination. Christopher Bananos talks about why the story of Polaroid is a great one. I'm Christopher Bananos. I'm the author of Instant, the Story of Polaroid, and I am also a senior editor at New York Magazine, where I cover arts and culture. Art and technology mix beautifully and spectacularly in Polaroid because you had to not only create an instant picture, which required crazy chemistry and crazy physics and insane engineering, and then Polaroid had to manufacture those things at giant scale. And it was all in the service of what? Making something more beautiful. Fundamentally, it was about making pictures that looked great. Land really had the idea from the very beginning that photography should be a one-step process. You should just be able to grab pictures all the time. You would just look through frame, bang, fire the shutter, bang, fire the shutter, look, shoot, see. What he said was, this is a camera that should be with you every day, all the time. He said it'll be like that you use it the way you use a telephone. So what he is describing very vividly is the camera on your cell phone. The rise, growth, and then collapse of Polaroid was 
a good story. And Land was a fantastic character. People constantly compared him to Steve Jobs, and they had a great deal in common. Edwin Land and Steve Jobs were technology and design visionaries. They made objects of desire, things that are a pleasure to own and to use. And as soon as they brought products to market, they started refining them. The first Polaroid Land cameras were pretty big, and they used roll film. Pack film came next. That's the kind with the white paper tabs that peel apart from the photo. Then in 1972, the Polaroid SX-70 came out. These cameras use film that develops in front of your eyes, so there's no extra paper to throw away. Christopher Bananos makes a Polaroid to Apple comparison. This is an SX-70. It folds flat. It looks like a cigar case. It's finished in brushed chrome and real leather. It was equivalent to buying maybe an iPad or a laptop now. It was an expensive gadget purchase. But it also is an exceptionally fine little instrument, and it hits some of those same pleasure notes that an iPad did the first time you saw it. You know, it feels good in the hand. It's just the right size and weight, and it's charming in the way a technological object can sometimes but rarely be. The optics of this camera are like nothing else anybody ever manufactured. During the one and a half seconds after the shutter button has been pushed, and even during viewing, another story is going on inside the camera. This optical path from subject to eye is unique to this single lens reflex system. All elements are articulated to fold into a compact unit that folds flat. It is a miraculous piece of engineering. The four element lens collects the light which bounces off of a permanent mirror to a fine Fresnel surface. You know, it's old chemical photography, and the processes are a little more like living things. One thing you shouldn't do anymore is the shake, which everybody does anyway. Wait, seriously? Shaking the picture helps it develop faster, right? Yeah, wrong. The shake hasn't been needed since Polaroid's early days of black and white film. That film needed a liquid sealant brushed on top of the photo in order to keep it from fading. And if you wanted it to dry, you had to wave it in the air. That practice lingered long past the age where you had to coat Polaroid photos. The ones we all grew up with are sealed under a sheet of plastic. They're bone dry. You can, you can sit on them. Everybody shakes them anyway. I think it's because you feel like you have to do something to make the magic work. People insist on shaking them. 60 years after that requirement was created and 40 years after it became obsolete. Arthur C. Clarke said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Well, technology yields to newer technology, and Polaroid surrendered to the more potent magic and low cost of digital photography. By 2009, they'd stopped making cameras and film. Yet there were thousands of cameras still in the hands of artists, photographers, and the general public. They loved these cameras fiercely, and they weren't giving them up without a fight. I started talking to artists about the end of this medium, and they were really agitated about it. They weren't nostalgic and sad to see it go. They were irritated and angry. I was angry. <laughs> I was like, how dare you just stop like that? This was something I'd grown up with. It was almost like if Kleenex stopped making tissues. It was something that was just part of the culture. I felt irritated, I think, more than anything. That angry man is Dave Bias. He's the man behind the movement and the website SavePolaroid.com. He emphatically, resolutely did not want integral film for Polaroid cameras to just disappear. Dave went on to become the U.S. vice president at a company aptly named The Impossible Project. The Impossible Project was founded in 2010 by two guys in Holland 
one of whom had been the manager of Polaroid's last film plant, and the other of whom was an entrepreneur. And they bought that last film factory 48 hours before it was supposed to be stripped down. And if it had gone, Polaroid film would have gone forever. If these guys hadn't started the Impossible Project, thousands of perfectly functioning Polaroid cameras that use integral film, that is the kind of film that you want to shake, would collect dust. To make things even more impossible, the original film formula was unusable because some of the chemicals used in that process are no longer available. Dave Bias explains. No one can make Polaroid film, not even Polaroid. My name is Dave Bias, and I'm the vice president for Impossible America. When I started Save Polaroid, I don't want to say I was naive, but I was completely naive about what it took to make film. I don't know what I thought, if elves put it together or something, but for some reason I didn't think it was difficult. It's so incredibly difficult. It's especially difficult to make film in a world that isn't geared for film anymore. It's like if we decided to make top hats. The world isn't geared for top hats, so making top hats is going to be difficult. If you're starting a technology business in 2010, the one to pick is not film for 40-year-old analog cameras, and yet they threw themselves at it. We're making it relevant in the modern day to show people that it's not just about nostalgia. This is something that can exist in tandem with all the digital things in our lives. And by accepting that and embracing that, actually, it makes the experience richer. There is a level of Polaroid passion. These guys had it bad. So now we come to my love story. I was in the Mission District of San Francisco with a friend when we popped into Photo Booth SF, a store that focuses on tintypes, analog cameras, and film. And that's when I glanced up and I saw this gorgeous thing. This, the Polaroid SX-70. I'm just caught in the web of love so fast Developing so fast Like a Polaroid My mouth went dry. I felt my face get hot and I knew I had to have that camera. Forget my iPhone camera and all the camera apps. Forget my digital camera, lonely, somewhere in the back of a drawer. Forget the fact that the film for this particular camera is 20-something bucks for eight shots. This handsome, brown leather-covered folding object just captured me. Melissa, who works at the store, suggested that I go on a date with a Polaroid camera before getting married, and she invited me to go on an instant photo walk where I could borrow a Polaroid, buy some film, and try my hand at taking photos. So welcome everyone to another monthly instant camera photo walk. Usually I'm here with more beer than cameras. So. <laughs> <laughs> so normally we meet here at 1 o'clock, we go out and shoot the mission in all its loveliness on a Sunday afternoon. Come back here and show our images and drink a couple beers. And we meet here every month. Generally, anyone with a beret is the person to talk to. <laughs> when it comes to Polaroid cameras... We're in the photo booth in the mission, and there's a lot of people milling around, uh, kind of excited, getting ready to go on the photo walk. Uh, using the cameras, looks like for the first time, a few of them. There's no real leaders. There's more like technical support out there on the road because there's people never shot this before or it's their first time in many years and you gotta know your tricks on the street. 
Brian Brooks led these Sunday instant walks. It's always a pretty diverse group, including people like me who are initially labeled Polaroid curious. I've walked with teenagers, professional photographers, artists, and tourists. We gather at the store. You borrow or bring a camera and get film. Then there's a little beer and a little instruction. Have you done this before? No. Okay. So what you need to remember is when you grab the actual picture to pull it out, don't be afraid. Just pull it with like steady, even pressure. Because the developer, there's like a little pack of developer that's getting smashed through the rollers and spreading it across the photo. So if you kind of stop halfway, it's going to have little lines in it. Which is still part of the experience, but if you get lines, that's why. <laughs> that's Melissa Santiago, my Polaroid matchmaker. Um, I work here at Photo Booth, and I'm just explaining to people how to use the cameras that they're checking out. Most people, probably under 35 or 40, the kind of Polaroids that they're using, they probably haven't even seen before. Oh, I'm going to take some Polaroid pictures with these other people who love Polaroid. It is a beautiful, bright, sunny day, so I think color's gonna be really nice. I also am excited to shoot two packs of the new Impossible film. I have a Polaroid, but it's a Barbie camera. Okay, that's Brian's daughter. She's obviously not a part of the beer drinking crowd. It's a little hard with the kids to do a, a photo walk. But I have a two-year-old strapped onto my back in a backpack, ready to take photos with me. I like to take photos of like graffiti faces and just kind of abstract stuff on the street. Okay, so we're gonna go outside over to this elementary school and I'll walk you through taking your first shot. And then we'll come back and we'll get together with Brian. I was gonna take them outside, the loners, and do the first. Right on. Okay, so everybody who has a loner and needs to walk through, follow me. Everyone steps outside onto the sidewalk on Valencia, blinking in the afternoon sunlight, adjusting camera straps, and checking bags. The veterans help the newbies, and after everyone gets some basic camera knowledge, we break into smaller groups and are set loose on the streets of the Mission District. And I'm walking up to church. I'm walking towards church. Oh, awesome. Let's go that way, yeah. We are on Dolores Street and 26th, I believe. And so Dolores Street is one of the pretty famous streets within San Francisco, lined with palm trees, and occasionally you can see some parrots, too. <laughs> I'm shooting some expired Polaroid film, so oh, okay. every image that's coming out, I'm going, oh, yeah, Polaroid. <laughs> I'm using a Automatic 100, which was the first pack film model for color film. Don Draper on Mad Men has one, and it's about 50 years old. My grandparents had a one-step, one with a rainbow stripe. I used SX-70 film in the 70s, and I've been shooting film all my life. I like shooting film because uh, you don't lose your pictures and your computer crashes. A couple of uh, news racks. They're covered with graffiti and stickers. That was a shot of the... This is messy. <laughs> I've taken one picture that didn't come out that great, and I've taken another picture that I'm scared to look at. I like when it comes out like, you know, like when there's hard edges. Yeah. Not, not just all fully developed. So one of my very favorite parts of all the photo walks that I've been on is at the end. We head back to the store where we get beers and then everyone just starts pulling out all these photos. You lean in to look at them and touch them. We laugh, compliment, and complain. What'd you do there? 
horrible light leak of some variety. Oh, nice, nice. Look at that. What well, about I it? tried to do a That's double, a double exposure, right? I tried to right? do a double yeah. exposure, yeah. but it looks pretty cool to me. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> I mean, I think that's you got yeah, what you what's wanted. What's the problem with that? <laughs> I guess I wanted it to be a little darker, but I'll take well. it. <laughs> I love this. This is the first time I've used an instant camera and it's amazing. It's awesome. It's nice to see like your actual finished product right in your hands. It is uh, an object as well as a photo. You hold it in your hand, you feel its thickness and its flexibility. It's not just a print, it's the thing itself. I felt like the digital revolution didn't need to really replace everything. There's a lot of analog things in the world that can coexist with digital. Things that are real now have a different level of value. Digital things are ubiquitous and they're endlessly able to be replicated with no loss in quality. Movies, music, photos, and I think as a result, real things have increased in value. There's a larger community of people out there who recognize the value in tangible objects. Polaroid cameras are just physically attractive things. The SX-70s are sleek and leathery. The older land cameras have these amazing folding black bellows. The later Polaroids have pop-up and pop-down flash bars with the rainbow stripe logo. These cameras do not fit into a pocket. They are deliberate. You can see and hear these cameras coming. And those little white snapshots, they seem to mean something. Film to me is a permanent thing. And I also just like it because it's chemical. We're made of chemistry, and I think we gravitate towards other things that are made of chemistry. When thinking about why Polaroids resonate with me, a lot of people say because they're nostalgic, because it's, it's physical, but I wonder why that matters. That's William Wesley. I met him and his partner, Bruce Scott, on my first instant photo walk. They're the two young photographers behind PolaroidSF.com, a popular photo blog. I'm William Wesley. I'm 31 years old. We're in my living room in San Francisco. William and Bruce are in love with Polaroid. William talks about the chemistry he has with instant photography. For me to be nostalgic for cameras from the 60s doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm too young. For something physical, I don't necessarily know that I need something physical to appreciate it. Maybe younger generations are different. Maybe kids these days think in zeros and ones, but I don't. And I know that when a photo is pushed out of the camera, it's chemicals smearing on paper. But when a photo appears out of a digital camera, going into microchips, and that is beyond my brain's capacity. You're listening to Shake It, a modern Polaroid love story by Vanessa Lowe and Megan Jones. I'm Megan Jones. The instant of Polaroid instant photos is actually anywhere from 45 seconds to several minutes as the film develops. These waiting moments are special to the whole experience of taking the photo and sharing it. Waiting and watching a Polaroid develop with someone turns simple picture taking into an event. Christopher Bananos and Dave Bias comment on this happy aspect of Polaroids. Watching it develop over about, let's say, 90 seconds, 
it does two things. One is it makes you look, it compels you to look. And second is it forces you to kill 90 seconds. And usually what happens is the subject and the photographer get to chatting. And this is not to be taken for granted. The forced 60, 90 seconds of conversation, it's the best icebreaker in the world. Sitting on the green grass, I know the sky is blue. And I know that this is true. It used to be that sharing photography was you would get double prints. You go to the drugstore, you drop off your roll of film, and you get two sets of prints instead of one so that you could share them with your mom or whoever was with you in the photographs. And that has just been blown wide open by social media. We click off tons of photos on our phones. We shoot, edit, share so easily and quickly. Digital photos, it's immediate and you can just shoot, 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 shoot. I look at my Instagram feed and a concert I was at, 15 people have the exact same picture on their phone of the exact same thing. A lot of times you take a cool picture and you're like, oh, I wish other people could see that, and you get to show it, like share it immediately, which is really fun. We look more, we shoot more, we post more. The photos we share online can be pinned, collected, and liked. And even as you add a photo to the billions of others out there, you want it to be special and recognizable as your moment. One of the most distinctive qualities of a Polaroid photo is that it is essentially unique. And this, I think, affects the way you look at it and think about it, because it is effectively an addition of one. You can take another picture of it, or you can scan it, and it'll look okay. But it doesn't look like the original. It just doesn't digital photographs, you can spin off a thousand copies in a second. A Polaroid photo, it's not so easy. You need these old cameras, you need these like weird, funky chemicals, you need the perfect amount of light and fog and whatever, and this magical moment, and you could never recreate that with digital. Of course, Instagram being the 800-pound gorilla of filters, it's an attempt by a lot of people to add this character to their photo in a way that feels personal to them and which the friends that they share it with can recognize as their own. They want people to think that I did this, not that it just joins the pantheon of eight billion other digital photos, but that this is something that's special. Thoughtful use can help reveal meaning in the flood of images which makes up so much of human life. We hope the user will fully complete the chain, gaining as much fun, as much sense of self, and as clear participation in the stream of human creativity as did Edwin Land and the team who first made SX-70. There's a saying that the best camera to have is the one you have with you. And now we have dependable, easy-to-use cameras with us all the time. The cameras on our smartphones provide consistent, reliable images with no surprises. Everything looks pretty good. With Polaroids, there's a surprise in every box of film you load. And Bruce Scott loves this. One of the greatest things about Polaroids are the f**k-ups. Because you have light leaks, you're dealing with chemicals that don't always set properly. There's so many variables that can alter the way that a photo turns out. And I think that's kind of how you get hooked with analog photography and particularly with Polaroids. Because you just wait for those moments when they happen. It's like, yes, this is great. I actually love that people want to screw up their photos and not have them be perfect.
This is part of the magic for me, too. I love what comes out of my camera, screw-ups and all. The imperfections of the light, the film, the background, subject, and photographer are just captured in a Polaroid. So, are we really making art in these moments? Vanessa, my co-producer, made a call, and we found ourselves sitting down with a film director who used Polaroids a lot in his artistic process. Yeah, I'm Gus Van Sant, and we're in Portland, Oregon. Think, baby, go over there, go over there. That's my dog, Milo. Um, good boy, you stay there. Gus Van Zandt is an Academy Award-nominated film director for Goodwill Hunting and Milk, among the long list of his accomplishments. But he is also a painter and a photographer. Some of his Polaroid photos were collected into the book, 108 Photographs. He talked about how he used Polaroids to capture faces, to storyboard, communicate, and to remember. When I made a Drugstore Cowboy in 1988, I was taking photographs of people with the Polaroid, just single photographs, which became the book, 108 photographs. And um, it was a way to keep a record of who I saw. So I, I used the Polaroid as like a, an easy way to have just a record of the person. So I usually just put them against a wall next to a window, kind of like here, and took just a single picture. So if it was out of focus or done wrong, I ended up with the imperfection. It was also a way for me to sort of break the meeting up. So I was like, okay, can I take your picture? And then they stood and took the picture. So everybody was standing and I said, okay, thanks for coming. So it was just a way for me to say, okay, it's over. With those first meetings, taking these photographs, the only way that I had to like remember, and I have a bunch of them here if you want to see them. I'm going to get that, those photos. Kind of cool because there were people that later, you know, there's an old one of John Cameron Mitchell. But he was like 19 and like hadn't done anything yet. There were a lot of photos stacked in that box, and he was careful as he flipped through them. It's probably like 100 here, or maybe 50. These are some that are in that book. I don't normally put the white glove on, but it's not the negatives, but the Polaroids. So this is for a film that never happened, which was called Standing Room Only. No, wait, maybe that's it. It was a film about Jimmy Roselli. So these are all the mobsters. That's, what's his name? Um, oh, this is infamous. Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> so you have things like that. You like have this really great picture of Joey Buttafuoco in a room, and I didn't really know who he was at the time. Tom Everett. Do you know him? Jimmy Flynn. Oh, that's Jimmy Flynn. He was part of the uh, infamous Boston gang, Whitey's gang. Or supposedly he was. Nobody could prove it. James Franco. Dennis Hopper. River Phoenix. I had gone to Florida to meet him, and so that's in front of his garage. While Gus talked about his Polaroids, his expression seemed to lighten and change. I asked what he felt or remembered about his pictures. I think if there's a fond memory, it's that I'm remembering that period of time. And it was sort of pre-digital. Now what I do is I actually, because everything is online, I just find pictures on the internet, and there'll be hundreds of them. So you choose one that you like. Before, it was just the Polaroids. And now that we have internet photographs, it's just a different style, but it's the same purpose for me. After talking and looking at his photos and books, I pulled out my SX-70. It seemed only right that we should take a Polaroid. I took a picture of Gus and his dog Milo, and he took one of Vanessa and me. Once we document a moment with our cameras, it becomes history and memory, and with some of us, art. William and 
and Bruce started their photo-a-day blog, Polaroid SF, in the fall of 2011. A year later, they had their first show at Minna Gallery in downtown San Francisco. Their next show, Another Year in Polaroids, had a great opening night turnout of over 700 people. Shortly after that show, the hotel giant Starwood called and commissioned a Polaroid art installation for the San Francisco La Meridian Hotel. William told me he got the idea for the blog after reading Patti Smith's memoir, Just Kids. He remembered seeing in the book that Patti had encouraged Robert Maplethorpe to pick up a camera, even though Maplethorpe considered himself to be a painter. And I'm a painter, and I was thinking, I'm in a new city, why not pick up a camera? I'm looking for a way to put my stamp on something here. And Bruce and I were at lunch, and I blurted out, let's start this photo blog, a photo a day with Polaroid cameras. And he was like, yes, yes, let's do it. And we ordered a Polaroid camera on an eBay auction on my iPhone right there at lunch. Everyone has a stupid blog about their lives and their pets and their friends and we wanted to make it more. We wanted to make it not about us. That's why it was anonymous for so long. And until we had our year show, no one even knew our names. Bruce? Yeah, it's basically an open love letter to San Francisco. With a compact design of the cameras and the fast-developing film, easy instant picture-taking became a social activity. This wasn't just a cool camera. Christopher Bananos talks about how Land thought we would use our Polaroids. You would be taking pictures all day long, and you could, in a crude way with Polaroid film, document all the time, every day. And that is, in a crazy way, a big analog Facebook page. It's a timeline of your life. That is something that the Polaroid people understood. And I think Lan would be pleased to have discovered he was pioneering. Individual pictures on Instagram may not be art. If you take a picture of your lunch, there's only so much art to that. But if you do it every day for a year, that is a little art project. Same for documenting, oh, I don't know, your kid every day for the first five years of his life. or your changing life. In the aggregate, your Instagram feed is a kind of art. Look at this Instagram. It's been an inside of him. Started out as a lemon's heart. Then my phone went and made it art. Look at this coffee foam. Now look at this pretentious tome. Now look at this garden gnome. I'm freaking Michelangelo. And so here we are, documenting so much of our lives, sometimes in artful ways, sometimes not. Look at this Instagram, a Nickelback parody produced by collegehumor.com, asked this question too. This is something Andy Warhol tried to do. He toted a Polaroid camera to every party and every art opening and every, 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 everything for years and years and years. And if you look in those memory boxes he would throw together or in the archives at the Andy Warhol Museum, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of faces shot at parties, shot at friends' houses, shot hanging around at Studio 54. He was doing the same thing. He was in that Warholian way that the life is the art and the art is the life. You can do something like that too.
In our social media streams, we see art and life intersect and collide. And sometimes, the process of art becomes art itself. Gus Van Zandt's simple Polaroids of actors were combined with Warhol's Polaroids in a show called One Step Big Shot, portraits by Andy Warhol and Gus Van Zandt. Van Zandt didn't just use Polaroids to capture famous faces at the end of auditions. He also used them in his filmmaking and casting process. I had moved to L.A. and it was around 1975, or maybe even later, maybe 77. There was a job I had gotten, so I had some money and I squandered it on this four-star revamped Polaroid. I remember when I shot my first film, Malanoche, I had elaborately storyboarded the whole movie. I don't know how I afforded this, but I guess it was cheap enough at the time that I would actually take a photograph of the actor in the storyboard setup line them up and I would paste the Polaroid into the place to say, okay, we got this shot covered. Yeah, it was just a very important part of how I was thinking about combining the actors' faces into the final project. And then I did have a show with the Polaroids. Maybe the Polaroid frame lends an artistic layer to our pictures, which is also maybe why so many smartphone camera apps have adopted the white square border. It's three by four image that's in a frame, so it looks like a portrait of sorts. The um, formality of that is interesting. They're almost like mug shots, so you're sizing people up. So their characters are represented by that one moment in time. It's hard to separate the medium from the message. And when you're looking at a Polaroid, the medium is actually speaking to you as much as anything else. I want to believe that. Polaroid photos are pretty easy to keep in a box, a file, or a drawer. They have a location and they take up space there, even if you don't remember exactly where that location is. In moving from physical photos to digital ones, we lost some things. We lost holding a photo, the need to store our photo stash, the cost of each picture we take. I met Joe Robinson through a design and tech meetup in San Francisco. He had been going through and trying to catalog and preserve his family's photos. We talked about how the sheer ease of digital photography has introduced an unintended consequence to the many, many photos we take. Always having a camera has an interesting implication that the younger generations, people born in the last five, ten years, in particular being born now, they're literally going to have thousands, if not tens of thousands, of photos of their childhood and videos. Literally too much to sort through, right? I'm Joe Robinson. I organize a community called Designers and Geeks, which brings together artists, makers, thinkers to celebrate art, design, and technology. I wonder how many images are lost when people buy that new iPhone. Do they just leave all the images on the old one and like never look at them again? Is it that disposable? We're sitting on mountains and mountains of data and images, and it's hard to imagine that we'll make use of it all. We take all these photographs, and they have less value because they're so easy to take. And we don't necessarily take the time or have the time to print them out. The more of something that there are, the easier they are to lose. We create more photography every hour than we did from the invention of photography up until 1960 or something like that in volume. This means there's a lot of crap out there, but it also means that a lot of people that would have gone unseen are being seen. The digital age has changed so much today. We're kind of living in a different period. We've entered this kind of world where everyone has an online presence. Everyone puts out every last thought, every last meal, every everything. With social media, the truth is, you don't always know where and in what context your photo is being seen and who's seeing it. 
The beauty of an instant photo was that it looked great, it was right there, and no one saw it who wasn't intended to see it. If you take a Polaroid picture because it's hard to share, unless you give it to someone, it provides a certain level of intimacy and, for lack of a better term, safety. And if you reveal yourself, say, in the bedroom, because people did that a whole lot with Polaroid cameras, if you hang on to the pictures, they're yours and they're safe. That can open up a whole level of trust between subject and photographer because you can do whatever you want with the knowledge that it's not going to escape somewhere. That was powerful for amateurs who were goofing around in their bedrooms, but also to artists who could have the option suddenly of doing things that, especially in the old days, you couldn't really send out to the lab. You're listening to Shake It, a modern Polaroid love story by Megan Jones and Vanessa Lowe. I'm Megan Jones. When you talk to people about Polaroid, they just light up. Inevitably, they talk about connections with people, people they are close to, like friends and family. Once we start talking about the photos we see and share online, things start to shift. You put up a front when you put up any picture of yourself. There was a time before anyone had an internet presence. I remember being at a party in college and someone like uploaded my picture to Facebook and signed me up. And it was like, oh my God, I'm on the internet. Before that, it, it just didn't happen. When I sit down and contemplate why I look at my phone so much and why having this is an extension of my brain and is that healthy and when I question that, I don't know who to bring that up to. And so I <laughs> I was thinking about this interview. It's going, is this what this project is about? Or do you really just want to know how to take a Polaroid? Like, or do you want to go deeper? As founder of Polaroid, Edwin Land did want to go deeper. He published a book with some of his own photos, and in the introduction, he wrote this. We have only just learned, learned, perhaps mostly from children, that a new kind of relationship between people is brought into being by SX-70 when the members of the group are photographing and being photographed and sharing the photographs. It turns out that buried within us, there is latent interest in each other. There is tenderness, curiosity, excitement, affection, companionability, and humor. It turns out in this cold world where man grows distant from man and even lovers can reach each other only briefly, that we have a yen for and a primordial competence for a quiet, good-humored delight in each other. When I first read this quote, I cried. When have you ever heard a CEO of a multinational corporation talk like that? They don't do that much. He really believed that this little camera of his was going to change the fundamental nature of the way people interact, that it was part of the evolving human being. They really thought, if we can get this out everywhere, you know, it's going to stop wars from happening. We all want to connect, and we all want to find a way to mean something to someone else. And I think nowadays people, in their attempts to connect, are maybe coming up short with what's available. Maybe Facebook isn't doing it for you. Maybe your Twitter feed isn't warming your heart as much as you think it should. 
seems like Edwin Land really understood the cultural purpose of photography in that it's not simply archival. You're not simply recording a moment so that you can come back to it personally later and, and remember that moment. Uh, you're often doing it for people that aren't there to share an experience, to try to capture and share an emotion that you had uh, at a particular time. How we see and connect with each other has enlarged and changed through our use of technology. We've become very used to being able to do visual check-ins quickly from our phones and computers. There are endless things to look at. We can always get a glimpse of someone else's life. How often do you look at other people's photos? On a daily basis, <laughs> right? Yeah. All, all the time, <laughs> between classes and during classes. And... I tend to just go on and check, see what people are up to, and then go off. It'll be like a two-minute ordeal, and then I'm done. Instagram really has changed my life. No, that sounds so weird. I've never viewed my scrolling through people's pictures as a negative thing. I know some people that get really crazy and like actually check every five minutes. We look, shoot, see, just like Land and Polaroid envisioned. Then there's how we feel about taking and sharing these photos. Sometimes there's a tension there too. I don't like to look at photos and I know that because like as much as I want to deny it, I do get jealous, you know, whatever pictures they're wherever they went, or whatever they're wearing. Here's William again, touching on the tension between art, technology, and social media as he talks about PolaroidSF.com, the project he shares with Bruce. To do what we do, we need technology, but in a way, we're revolting against it by using Polaroid cameras. But yeah, we need computers, and we need the whole social media cycle to put what we're doing out there. But I think what we're doing is sort of our statement against the saturation of everyone having a smartphone and taking a million pictures of everything. We're inundated with so much information about everyone we know that I think it's just too much. I don't see it continuing. People are killing their Facebook pages left and right. People are getting sick of it. I'm sick of it. I hate Facebook. Like, I use it. There are these code words we all know in social media, share and like. Both really nice sentiments, but there can be a different side to the shares and likes as well. Instant sharing, it gets to something elemental in people. Images do have a good way of producing discussion. I don't, I don't really like comment on them. It's more like I scroll down on Facebook and I'll see them, but I won't really like click on them or spend time like, ooh. My personal rule is that I don't do that. I don't validate people in that way. Many of the interactions on Facebook and things like that, in particular, the simple act of liking someone's photo is really kind of shallow, meaningless thing. And then there's this thing that people do where they have these images that they'll post just to get as many people to like them as possible. They'll do that with statuses, images, things like that, which is, you know, despicable. It's a really shallow way to validate your own feeling that, like, people like you. I post this picture, I got... 200 likes, therefore I am a more valuable person than if I had just not posted the picture and enjoyed this experience myself. Well, I really like it when I get likes. I'm not going to lie about that. I don't think I'm really posting to get likes, but I do like it when I get likes. It makes me feel happier when they're liked because I, especially with people that I don't see every day. Seeing that it didn't get likes could be kind of sad and just kind of confusing. I mean, you put this out there and suddenly the whole world can look at it. You kind of expect some kind of reaction. 
Some of these comments are from college students. They quite clearly did not grow up with a Polaroid camera as their first or only source of instant photography. The instant photo connections they know best are digital ones like Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. But they still talk nostalgically about physical photos and how they are different. A physical picture seems a little bit more sentimental, also a little bit more vintage. Hold your left hand out. Place the camera across the palm. Grasp the rear of the viewfinder cap. Pull the camera into its erect position. To load, press and the door opens. Take the 10 picture film pack and push it all the way in. Close the door and automatically the cover sheet will be ejected from the camera. Now rest the camera I have a friend with a Polaroid camera and she was showing me a few pictures she took of me with some other friends. There were pictures of like the same exact thing on Facebook. Holding the Polaroid seemed a little more personal. It was like more private. When the correct moment comes, press the red electric shutter button, holding the camera steady until the film is out. I dated my first Polaroid camera, I went on to get involved with a few of them. I toted these cameras on our instant photo walks with a group I tweeted, Facebooked, and Instagrammed with in arguably the most tech-savvy city in the U.S. And then we had a group photography show at Photo Booth SF. For the show, I got an old cigar box and made a little shelf for the box to sit on. I put my few Polaroids in the open box and hoped that people would get close to them, pick them up. And then, of course, I took a photo of the installation on my iPhone so I could post it on Facebook. Here we are at the Instant Mission Show, talking with Bruce Scott. It's kind of amazing because Brian put this together right when Photo Booth opened, and I don't think he had any idea what was going to culminate from that. People have tacked onto this photo walk and have become part of this community, and it's just kind of amazing to uh, step back and see a proper retrospective of what has really just been people getting together who share a, a common interest and having fun. I mean, we drink beer, we talk, you know, we get some good photos. It's so organic and it's so simple, but to see a proper show that, that's been curated out of those really fun Sundays, this is like a really impressive body of work. That's what I'm saying. At the show, we asked people what Polaroid means to them. What digital doesn't have, even if it's made to have that look, it doesn't have the immediacy. Digital is a really like microsecond moment in time. Polaroid to me seems to be kind of like a few minutes moment in time. And you get just weird changes in light, parts of the film that don't develop correctly. That's not as easy to get with digital. So there's this standpoint of this thing is unique in that second and it will never be replicated again. That's really fascinating. Uh, I, I can't quite pin it down, but there is a certain feel. What I think of is a timeless quality or a quality you know, that these things are just floating around out there somewhere. They, they create their own time and space. So yes, I take many photos with my phone and I use filters too. And I happily share these pics online, sometimes with anxiety about the liking. But even when I scan them and post them online, Polaroids have a different quality. Maybe it's because they're inviting. 
you tend to sort of go in close and peer into it. And in fact, if you do that when it's first shot, you peer into the mist as it develops and as it comes out. This does something to people, and I couldn't tell you what it is exactly, but it's bewitching. And there's something about me that's nostalgic for that world where it's not about what's in your Facebook profile. It's about real life. There's something to it that this is still part of the conversation. This outdated, completely backwards way of making images. Like that we haven't totally converted to megapixels. That this has still survived with people. That means that there's something there. There's something that I know I get from taking these pictures. And I connect with that and it, it warms my heart. And that's good enough for me. You know that song, the one where a heart is left in San Francisco? Well, I think maybe I found my heart there. I found it with a group of walking instant photographers and with my handsome Polaroid SX70 camera. Now, when I dig through a box of photos, and even when I just look at and share photos online, I have a new view of them. I have a story instead of a caption. It's more than just like, you know? It's love. Shake It was produced by Vanessa Lowe and Megan Jones. We do love Polaroid stories, so contribute yours to the Polaroid Love Story Project at cowbird.com, our online storytelling partner. We're online at modernpolaroidlovestory.com. You can find info there about the music you heard, photos, and stories. Additional mixing, Kent Sparling. That cool, vintage Polaroid SX-70 advertisement you heard a few times in the piece? It's courtesy of the Eames Office, LLC. In that ad, the concluding statement is by Philip Morrison and the music director and composer, Elmer Bernstein. Special thanks to Claire Schoen and Dime Roberts. Double exposure